Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Richard Kennedy. I'm here with Nicholas Goslin and Ryan Garby. We're New England Social, your New England-based podcast about everything New England, from places to go, people to see, things to do, and experiences we're having. Boys, how we doing? Doing good, man. I feel like we're getting in a groove on these Thursday records. Yeah, baby. I love a good Thursday record. Garb, how you doing out there? Good, man. Uh... Okay, and if this was the old format, we'd dive into that, but it's not, so we're not going to. What are you drinking there, Garb? Oh, I have a... Uh, thanks for asking. I have an Allagash 16 Counties. Oh, you can't see it because my background. Garb's um, using the uh, flower background. Um, yeah, he has the reset by background. So it is a... So I went to the store. I didn't really want an IPA for tonight. I got this golden ale. I'm like, oh, an ale. <laughs> Nice ale. <laughs> Took a sip of it. I'm like, it's a little weedy. It's a little bit more wheat than I wanted it to be. Wait, weedy or wheaty? Nice. Uh, wheaty with a T. Wheat, wheaty. Uh, Got it. Wheaty. Um, it's not my favorite. I have to say that. But it, it's brewed by Allagash in Maine. It's called 16 Counties, I'm assuming, because there's 16 counties in Maine. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't know that there are 16 counties in Maine, but that's what I'm assuming. Oh, you haven't confirmed that. I have not confirmed that. Are there 16 um, counties in Maine? Hold on. How many? It, it would make sense. There are 16 counties in Maine. Confirmed. But not my favorite. Um, but overall, hey, it's a beer, so I'm not going to complain. Not to call you out a little bit, but I feel like, like if a lot it's of complaining. A, well, it's like complaining. A, you're like it's a little weedy, but you got a golden ale. Which, like, if someone was like, hey, what does a golden ale taste like? I'd be like, tastes, it tastes beer. like wheat. It's like an IPA is hoppy. Yeah. I'd be like, a, yeah. a golden ale is, you're definitely getting some, little, some heavy wheat. wheat on the taste yeah. buds. So No, I, I don't think gold, uh, golden means that it's wheat. Mm. Oh, okay. I guess I was under that impression as well. Oh, okay. Well. Two to one. <laughs> um, I'm drinking. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we run this podcast. Facts or no facts. Two to one. <laughs> Dude, this is, it's a democracy. Democracy it's rules. Democracy. We don't give a fuck about Two truth. to one in voting. That's fact. That is now fact. So I'm drinking a Hop Hop Away. It is a uh, pale ale from Aeronaut Brewing. Um, uh, Aeronaut. Yeah, not your, not your strongest uh, percentage. We only got a 5.2% on here. But I will say it's actually pretty good. And Are they in Somerville? Am I remembering correctly? I believe so, yes. And uh, just to show you guys, you know, listeners can't see the can art, but there's like a cool bunny and it's like kind of spacey, like can art's pretty cool. They have lit can art. Yeah. Um, I think it's like a lot of it's bunny based. If you're a big bunny person, Um, I believe they're in Somerville, Massachusetts. If you're not from the area, just north of Boston, very achievable. If you're visiting the Boston area when we don't have crazy COVID numbers across the country. Yeah. Um, What are you drinking? That's awesome. Um, I am drinking Mysterious Haze from Smutty Nose Brewery. Ooh. I uh, am back up in Portsmouth, as the listeners know. Uh, just bought a house up here, and it is infinitely easier to get. Uh, it's actually not necessarily easier to get a variety of kegs. I can just like actually go to the breweries that I want, whereas in Boston, they really breweries didn't really sell kegs that you would have to go to a store. But there was a store right down the street from my place, and they did have a variety, but it was just like they had what they had. Whereas now I'm like – I can go um, to the breweries, and there's a bunch around here, which is great. So, um, if uh, if New England shuts down, which honestly I'll be surprised if we don't here pretty soon, um, I apparently breweries to like kind of stay I, profitable might be the wrong word, but like to bring in money ha- have like been like kegging beers like that. Oh, they that's a good idea. Sell, yeah. So my buddy Eric um, uh, Coffin um, and. Uh, uh, husband to my other friend Marley Coffin, who are listeners of the podcast, they uh, apparently were able to get some really, really good beers um, when when everything shut down. So obviously, don't want to shut down, but silver lining: if you get a kegerator, um, you know, and if you don't, maybe order one. But it's cool. I'm glad to be getting the keg going again. I, honestly, the funny thing about it is, I think my favorite part about it is like the lack of cans um that i acquire which is uh, pretty cool so yeah that's going and then i'm gonna order myself i learned when i went to smutty nose that you can order a huge ke- like, like a regular like half barrel keg like you would use in college of finest kind so i'm gonna do that because that's probably it's a good beer 
Probably my second favorite beer, I would say, all time. Wow. Second favorite IPA, not beer. Second favorite IPA of all time. So, yeah. Um, cool. Well, hey, you know, so we're jumping in. This is episode three of the new format. Um, and I think what we're trying to challenge ourselves to do is to not only talk about historical things, but to also talk about relevant stuff. But mm-hmm. we want to put a new spin on it. So we are really excited about the Celtics. Obviously, they recently ended their season because of COVID. There's, you know, the, the, hopefully the basketball season is going to kick up here pretty soon. Um, and so I thought it'd be a good time to cover that. But before all you listeners who don't like our sports episode, shut off this episode. It's going to be a little Wait, different. Wait, don't go. Don't go. Stop. Pick the finger back up from the phone. Just give me a second. So we're going to talk about what we in our group call the kids. And to define the kids, it is the um, particularly the, the what I would call young foundation of the Celtics. Uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, who are all um, draft picks of the Celtics. And I think all draft – Nick, you would know this better than me, but I think they're all draft picks that – we acquired from the, the trading Paul Pierce and uh, Kevin Garnett. At least I know Jalen and uh, Marcus Jason. was not. Marcus was just Marcus their was straight pick. But yeah, and I right. mean all all very um, high draft picks, and they kind of dominate the yeah. court to various degrees, but also just like their presence on there. So I feel like that's kind of why we wanted to to pick these three guys. Now stop. I know you're reaching for that phone again because you're like, ah, oh, here we go. They're going to talk about basketball again, but no. we're focusing on. These three folks as a profile, giving you a little bit of like a 30 for 30 or something like that on these folks and who they are as people. Yes, a little bit about their basketball careers, but really who they are as people, who they are off the court and what you can get excited about. I mean, I think I think we all love the Celtics. It's the one sport, I believe, that we're all like into and all have the same team. So like I think uh us and then also Chase Baruti, again friend of the podcast, who who we all uh lived together in college, all all really bonded over the Celtics. So I know we're really passionate about them. Um and so this was like a fun one. So we're gonna go through um a little bit here. Uh Nick, I'm gonna spring this on you, but I'm gonna have you talk a little bit about the trade for uh Garnett and Pierce, which got us the two um the later two picks and then we're going to jump into each one of the uh celtics here so uh nick i know you're super prepared take it away bud yes super prepared for this (laughs) section literally before we got on okay before i forgot that was on on. there i forgot i put that literally right before we get onto our record i'm like oh Hey, full disclosure, like did a bunch of research, but I did not look at the outline. And Rich was like, no biggie. It's literally just straight suggestions. Didn't even need to look at it. <laughs> Here's the worst part is I'm usually the hardo about the outline of the three of us. I just because like I, I have the job of trying to keep us on pace. And as you know, we usually go longer than we're supposed it's to. It's a tough gig. Um, so it's tough gig. It's tough gig. So I usually put names next to it. So not only did I not like, did I recognize that you didn't look at the outline? I also didn't put your name next to it. So even if you had, it wouldn't have mattered. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, so I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna br- I'm gonna break it down for you from like what I know. So obviously, yeah. um, Celtics traded Garnett and Pierce last couple of years of their career as they were Kevin kind Garnett, of Paul Pierce. Yep, just for those who don't sorry, know. um, as they were kind of moving out of like viability for NBA superstardom and kind of you know, on just the back ends of their careers. Um, and they traded them to the Brooklyn Nets, who at the time were kind of like this younger up-and-coming team. They had Deron Williams at point guard, and they had one other guy who I feel like I am forgetting who it was. Um, but yeah, they really kind of fleeced the Nets in this deal. The Nets had actually, just as like a side note, I remember the guy, Mikhail Prokhorov, he was like that weird Russian owner, and he was the one who like just bought the team, so they were like flush with cash. So he was like, "Just give me all the names you can give me." Um, so because Dan- like Jay Z was the face, and like that was the big thing is like Jay Z. Jay Z owns the Nets, and then you'd like figure out it's like, well, no, this guy owns the Nets. Yeah, and he was like smart enough to bring Jay Z as a partner because he's like, like Jay Z's the man. So yeah, they wound up getting um, Jason Terry back in the deal. Or wait, no, I think they traded Jason Terry. As part of that deal, yeah, because he had just signed with the team, and they were able to get a couple of very nice, unprotected first-round picks later down the line. So once Garnett and Pierce had retired, um, the Nets were obviously just a complete dumpster fire and had gone into cap hell. So these picks wound up being top three picks, 
Um, and the reason that this trade is relevant is because those picks turned into two out of the three of our trio, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, respectively. So, And if you like are somebody who isn't really into basketball, but you want to know, like you want to be into the Celtics, you want to know bar, like, like getting to know these three guys is a great idea because it's looking like they're not looking like actually Jason Tatum just signed a contract. So they're, they're the future of the Celtics right now. This is the plan for the Celtics is these three. And so understanding a little bit more about them, I think is a, is a good idea. So um, yeah, we're going to start off with Marcus Smart, who was the first drafted out of them and Garb. I think you're on the hook for, for our Marcus talk. So Marcus Smart, it's his seventh year in the league going on. He's the oldest of the three. Um, Grandpa. was Born and raised in Texas, good old Texas, in Dallas. Texas, Dallas. Dallas. He had a pretty rough early life. He had a lot of tragedy in his life. Um, So he had a, I guess you would call it half-brother, who basically brought him up, taught him the game. Uh, Probably, I think he was about 24 years older than them. Brought him up. He was a star and at the local high school um, for basketball and he educated him and he was basically a father figure to him and um, at nine years old this this brother dies um, when Marcus, well, Smart, Marcus, when Marcus, Marcus Smart was nine, nine years old. old this brother dies at 33 years old Wow. Um, and basically that time in Marcus's life he he be- he transitioned from basically a very generous, as his his current brother describes it, a generous child who would offer homeless men money and give them, you know, the little bit of money that he had um, to a kid who would just rage and a kid who that would just want to be violent, um, want to hurt people. And so basically from that time on, he has a lot of stories of stealing uh fighting his brother said he got into three fights a week about throwing knives at people uh almost breaking a kid's neck stomping a kid's head to the pavement um so garby always gets the real i know seriously the the heavy details so sorry i don't know if you just had mentioned it in passing were there any details regarding the death of his half brother. It's Todd Westbrook, I think. That was Todd. Name. Todd Westbrook. That was Todd. It was cancer. Okay. It started behind the eye, and it went to the rest of his body. Um, it was one Christmas. I think it was two thousand three or two thousand four when when Marcus was four years old or nine years old. Um, his mom asked him what he wanted. You know, I don't think. I don't think they were like very rich. I think they were pretty poor. And he just said, I don't want anything, mom. I just want to be with the whole family. And I just want to have, you know, be with the family. So that happened. And then January came around and basically his mom called him and it's like, we got to go to the hospital. You know, Todd's dying. And they went to the hospital and um, Marcus felt his foot. And his foot was like frozen cold. And I think it didn't really say because it was an interview with Marcus's brother, but I'm pretty sure he was dead. And it was like, oh, he's like, that is like the hardest and coldest part of a human I've ever felt. And 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 after that, he kind of just raged and took his anger out on, on people. Um, his brother, his biological brother, who was older than him, actually joined the bloods uh the gang the bloods and often and this was this was right after todd died um and i i believe his brother his biological brother was 19 years old at that time and he would just marcus would kind of just like wait up for him at night because he knew he was involved in this stuff and just make sure he was okay the brother was in the bloods for quite a while um and he said that his brother would make like twenty five hundred dollars a week selling crack and cocaine on the you know the street corners. And one night he went out to the street corner, and you know Marcus would run there and just check up on him and try to get him to come home and all this stuff. But at that time, that was also the time Marcus was just raging and getting into fights. Um, 
So there was this, when he was 12 years old, when Marcus Smart was 12 years old, he and his friends, he, he liked to throw rocks at people from the top of his house. I'm assuming it was like an apartment story. So he, he throws a rock at this guy that's riding a bike. And all of a sudden, the guy's all he sees is the bike. And then he hears footsteps coming up the stairs, like running and like yelling. And this guy, I, I don't know exactly how they met face to face. Or how he knew he was going after him. He might have broken into the house. But Marcus just started running. He ran out. And this guy was chasing him. And next thing he knows. He's running. He's sprinting. And four gunshots go off. Behind him. And at that point they said. After the investigation was 15 yards behind him. He, he didn't get shot. Marcus didn't get shot. So luckily he got away. Him and his buddy got away. Because they were running and there was a tree branch they ducked under it and they know the guy did not because they heard him hit the tree branch and fall back and so they got away and come to find out that was actually another member of the bloods which was in his brother's you know an affiliate of his brother who was also in the bloods at the time um holy shit and though so that was at 12 years old so i guess his mom didn't really know all this stuff about the fighting and everything and he eventually fessed up to his mom and his his mom's like, you should have told me. I would have gotten you help. He got him. The mom got him anchor management. And she's like, all right, we got to get out of here. You know, this was pretty much in the, I went, not the middle of Dallas. I don't know Dallas, but when you look it up on a map, um, Lancaster is pretty much in Dallas. So they got out and they bought a ranch in the suburbs, which was pretty close to Dallas still. But I think that's, um, it was a better place, Flower Mound, Texas. Uh, and he... You know, he was, I think, 13 or 14 by the time, so he just started high school. So he went to what was called Edward Marcus High School, Marcus High School for short. Um, he played basketball, played football, and he was known as a hustler. He was known as somebody who never gave up, always gave it his all. Um, and it was, uh, like, one of the hardest working kids. So she, the mom said that transition to that that better neighborhood and that better place kind of just changed a lot of things. Um, and eventually he was a top recruit going into college in basketball. And um, he went to Oklahoma state university uh, and he got, he played there. I'm pretty sure he got a full scholarship there and he was known as a defensive player Somebody who never gave up on the ball. Not such, not a great shooter, but a playmaker. Um, and strong and being able to move laterally side to side very well. And that brought him to the NBA draft after his sophomore year of college. And he was drafted six overall in the first round by the Celtics. And basically, I, I don't think his playing style has really changed since then. But... Um, I think that his his childhood, I think that move kind of changed his life from from the sounds of it, and yeah. that was much needed. But um, I know his brother kind of at one point in his life uh, snorted so like the the brother that was the blood, uh, Michael, he snorted so much cocaine that it affected his eye, and he had to go to the hospital. Shit. And eventually he quit, and he quit all that stuff. And Michael is now like. He's uh, straight. He doesn't do drugs. He's not affiliated with the gang. And he attributes all that to Marcus because Marcus was, even though Marcus was fighting and, you know, Marcus didn't have his best moments, he, attribute, he attributes it to Marcus for still kind of looking after him, even though he was a younger brother. And the fact that he made it has made him be like, all right, you know, we got to get my shit together. And, and it's yeah. a family that supports each other now. So, yeah, yeah it's a pretty crazy childhood. What do you uh? What do you uh? <clears throat> what do you think predictions for Marcus Smart here? Gotta give gotta give our sports people a little bit of flavor here, folks. So bear with us. What do you think for Marcus Smart? Quick prediction uh, on the court. Okay, so you want me to give like points per game? Like, no, no, just no, just like give us a statement. You think what? what do you think this is gonna be a big year for Marcus Smart? Like, I mean, no, 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 no. Steps? I think he's gonna keep doing what he's been doing his whole career. Yeah, hustling. I don't think he's gonna be this amazing shooter or anything like that. I think he's gonna play defense. Well, I, 
He scored more points per game than usual. He had his second highest field goal percentage last year. So, yeah, I guess that's what I kind of want to ask. Do you think last year was a trend? Like, so he has kind of been trending towards like shooting better. And last year he actually shot really well. So do you think that that was an anomaly? Like, do you think he is going to continue to shoot well? Or if I had to put money on it, I would say no. I would say he would shoot just as uh, maybe a little better. It is interesting though because I mean this whole story about Marcus Smart talks to you about a kid who has faced challenge after challenge, adversity after adversity, and, and although is not perfect um, in the way he addresses like maybe like life at every single moment, like he just hustles, works hard, and like works through it. And that's kind of the player he is on the court too. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like I mean again, Marcus Smart is far from perfect on the court. From anybody who doesn't watch a lot of basketball, um, he is known for throwing up three-point shots that just make you cringe. Hero ball. But he's also he's also known for making that play when you're down, like, you know, seven plus points with like a minute twenty on the on the clock, and it seems bleak. Like he makes he makes kept he makes uh he makes Harden like foul him. He like gets the ball on the ground. He like gets the steal. He Shoots a three-point shot. Like, that's just who he is. So it's, it's interesting to kind of hear this history back about him. Wait, real quick. I just wanted to ask Garby. I didn't know, um, not to, like, put you on the spot, but did you read anything about the, like, altercation he had had with the fan in college? Yeah, so uh, as freshman year at at Oklahoma State, he basically was playing the game, and uh, I don't know if he got fouled or something, but he got he went into the stands because his momentum brought him in the stands, and all of a sudden, you see the guy, this fan, saying something to him, and then he gets in this altercation with a, a fan. I don't know if he shoved them or pushed them or something like that. Um, and initially, what Marcus said on the floor during the basketball game was that he made an, a racist remark. Um and, and then eventually Marcus publicly apologized because, you know, whether he made, unfortunately, whether he made the racist remark or not, um, it would probably ruin Marcus's reputation as a player and in terms of his temperament, which would, would downgrade him for the draft. So he apologized. Um, but basically, I guess this fan, this was at Texas Tech, I believe, and this fan was basically this clown guy and the psycho and even Baron Davis. Um, on Twitter said, yeah, I, I, I remember this fan and he was like psychotic and he's a clown. But but after that, Marcus didn't accuse him. He only accused him on the floor for saying a racist remark. And then after you didn't see anything publicly saying that it was a racist remark. Hmm. Um, but it was reported because the the announcer for that game heard it. And, you know, a bunch of people heard Marcus saying it on the floor. Um but he was suspended for three games for getting in the altercation. He came back. They won four games in a row, and they came third place in their conference uh, because he led go. the team. So Let's fucking go. So, yeah. Um, and I think that kind of tarnished his reputation a little bit, but I think he really made a – he did the right thing after. He did what needed to be done in terms of what he said. Um, yeah, so – that was the main cool. the main thing about the altercation. The other thing is, um, this year, you know, the whole NBA going in lockdown, there was a period of time where they went in lockdown, I think. He was one of the first people to get COVID, actually. Like, yeah, was, that's like, what I was going to say. So this was, I think this was March COVID. 11th, because March 13th was my last day of school. <clears throat> I know that because it's the day before Pi Day. And that Wednesday, so I think it was March Man, 11th. What a math nerd. Teacher. What a oh math my God. teacher. I know that because it was the day before pie day. It was the day. first day before Oh, God. Day. And I always bake a pie on pie <laughs> day. <laughs> okay, so five days before that, which I believe was seven days before pie day, if you do the math, uh, which March 7th, they played Rudy Gobert's team, which is the Jazz, right? yes <laughs> okay yeah. so rudy gobert was the first guy to be tested positive basically in the nba and they they basically found out during an nba game and the game got canceled this whole dramatic thing but that same day when they got they were in i think it was yeah wherever they were um his wife threw a surprise party for him so he that same day he played rudy gobert five days before gobert tested positive had a surprise party. The whole team was there. 
So he's like, oh, crap. When Gobert tested positive, he's like, oh, crap. We played him. We had this whole party. Like, it was nuts. Like, everybody was there. The players, the coaches. But Marcus was the only one to get tested positive. Um, so he's like, oh, shit. All right. So I'm the only one to get tested positive. Why Why was it me? You know what I mean? Um, and actually, I think he gave it to his dad, who was in the 70s. Oh, shit. Um, but his late. dad, who had serious respiratory problems um actually survived and had no symptoms wow so oh you thought i was gonna go the other route there with my tone of voice yeah yeah it's fine it's fine that's good actually in the players tribune there's a good article it's uh the players tribune is basically a, a place where the players can express themselves created by Derek jeter yeah one of the best yankees of all time in 2014 um one of the best baseball players of all time in my opinion yeah yeah i agree yeah i agree um awesome better that's agree. great that's great um okay so for me i had uh jalen brown so jalen brown was draft was the second draft pick um you know kind of out of these out of these three here um he was drafted in 2016 by the celtics obviously um now an nba player uh just recently re-signed um, his contract, uh, with, not recently, but uh, I think it was last year, uh, re-signed his contract with the Celtics, which is great. So he'll be here for a while. Uh, third round draft pick, um, went to Wheeler High School. First round, in... third overall. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yes, he was a third overall draft pick in the first round. Excuse me. Thank you. I actually literally wrote it wrong the first time and was like, <laughs> I'm definitely going to say that incorrectly. Uh, went to Wheeler High School in Marietta, Georgia. Won a championship his senior year. They were 6A, which I don't know if it's like if that means that they were at the top or if they were like not at the top, but he won, they won a championship, which is great, and he was a big part of that. Five-star recruit going to college. Went to Cal Berkeley um, for one year uh, until, until he obviously declared to uh, go to the NBA. Um, Advit chest uh fan um book reader and i think piano player as well chess um chess oh cool did you not know that no no no. i did not know that at all did you... oh he's a huge chess guy yeah oh yeah he's a huge chess guy big chess guy um and just insanely smart uh draft class in the same draft class as um uh siakam ben simmons um brandon ingram Jamal Murray. I would take him. Jamal Murray. That's right. I forgot about that. I would take. Uh, I would take. I would take him over Simmons. I would take him over Ingram. Um, Siakam got screwed in that draft, dude. Siakam got real screwed in that draft. Uh, I think I still take him over Siakam to be honest. Not Jamal. Um, and I will. I will tell you what. Jamal Murray's tough, but I. I honestly still. You know what? We won't get into that. But book still out on Jamal, but it's okay. Um. Anyway, so. Very, like, whole point is me just saying, like, pretty big draft class. Like, a draft class that I think will probably go down as a, as a pretty good draft class over the last, like, 10 years. Has some heavy hitters, um, for sure. Yeah, you know, so I think here's the thing. Like, when you ask yourself, what what do I – if I'm not a big sports person, if I don't watch Tony Celtics, why do I care about Jalen Brown? And this is exactly why you should care about Jalen Brown. I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox here. You guys know I used to t- talk about Rob Gronkowski. I hate the Patriots. But I used to always give Rob Gronkowski props because I'd say, that's your ideal athlete. It's a guy who loves playing the sport, takes it seriously, works hard to be good at it, is awesome on the field, off the field, rides the line, has a ton of fun, parties, but he's not, like, doing sketchy stuff, not involved with, like, you know, crime or whatever. It's it's just, you know, and I'm not saying people who are, are you know, are bad people or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, he's the kind of football player you don't worry about with that particular stuff, and he just seemed to be a really fun guy. I am now kind of rephrasing this. Jalen Brown is the ideal athlete. Jalen Brown is the athlete that we all need to be looking for and that, we, and that I would love to see leagues like the NBA and the NFL really search for at the collegiate level um, and and almost screen for it. And that's because not only is he an insanely smart individual, um, the guy is woke, like the definition of woke, uh, and he cares insanely about um, civil rights activism and education and does a really good job at kind of 
tying the two together and like talking about why they are so connected and why they rely on each other a lot. So, um, guy really believes in education, you know, went to Cal Berkeley, really good school, uh, where he, I think kind of learned a lot about education, systemic racism, um, and, and how the two are kind of put together, um, really believes in education through application, Right. And uh, Garb, I think you're somebody who also believes in this. You have like uh, I think you were talking about like a math class you run or a tech class you run where it's like about like how like where you actually use this math in your real like life and whatnot. Technical math is I think what it was called. Is that right? Yes, indeed. Yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff that he believes in. He believes in educating kids through application and again i don't want to put words in his mouth i I listened to a podcast and i read a lot about him so this is my interpretation of what he's getting at but my interpretation of what he's getting at is that he believes that you can't there's not one cookie cutter way to learn and even more so that the traditional idea of oh there's a teacher who has ideas and has information and you're a student and you're going to sit down and they're going to talk at you and you're going to remember they're going to talk at you again you're going to remember and you're going to regurgitate that information and that is what it is he doesn't believe in that he doesn't believe that there's one cookie cutter way to learn and he believes in application and he really does a good job of drawing why that is so important for kids who might come from you know you know Areas that are not as well supported as the areas that the three of us came from. Uh, areas that are more troubled than the areas that the three of us came from. And that's because, again, not to put words in his mouth, but kids who are coming from more troubled areas have to deal with things and have to deal with adult concepts a lot earlier than I think somebody like myself had to, right, and whatnot. And so showing them education and showing them how education can actually help you and how it can make you good at things and help set you up for good jobs. We can help you make a, you know, make good money and get you the things that you want to take care of yourself, take care of your family, have the life that you want to have, maybe leave the area that you don't want to be in um, is a really good thing. And so he's done a bunch, right? And so he had this article written about him or, or this interview he did with the, the, um, the Guardian, um, the news outlet, The Guardian. That's really, really great. I can't recommend it enough. I unfortunately didn't get through the whole thing, but I got through a good portion of it. Um, And it's just insanely insightful the way he talks about racism in America, the way he talks about education. Um, And you can just tell that this is an insanely smart individual who sees his opportunity as an NBA player, not only to rise up above a lot of the hurdles he believes is put in front of somebody who comes from the area he comes from who comes from the life that he comes from who has the same color skin he has right um he's been able to overcome those utilizing the nba but he also looks at it as an opportunity to essentially talk about things that are hard to talk about and potentially push for change he was one of the number one pushers to um or, or challengers to challenge NBA players to stand up and be a part of the protest when George Floyd um, was, for lack of a better word, murdered. Um, and he has been extremely active in that effort. He drove 15 hours from Boston say, yeah. to Atlanta. Drove down. Near his, yeah, near his native Mary, uh, Marietta, Georgia, uh, to join the protest. He has been electric on social media. Um, and is like honestly almost looked at as a little bit of a leader in this aspect, right? And I'll just pause to say kudos to the NBA players who I will admit seem to have a much more control in their league than their counterparts in the NFL and even the NHL um, and maybe even the MLB um, for using their platform to talk about a really big problem in this country. Um, and Jalen Brown is at the forefront of that. And so he has this lecture with the guardian right um and it and it, it goes wild and like i'll read you some quotes from it in a second uh because i think it's really really impactful but um it goes wild right and apparently harvard ends up sliding into his dms like the university slides into his dms with like the eyeball emoji i don't know if he like posted the article on twitter or whatever it is and so he gets connected with harvard and he goes and does this lecture at harvard about education right and about how this traditional way of educating of education isn't um a like it is isn't always the best the best course of action for everybody um and apparently it was it's a rather long one and i need to kind of watch it um at a different time but um i grabbed some quotes some quotes from it and it was really really wildly successful and he gets a lot of credit for it and it kind of blew up which is 
really awesome. So he's done some really good stuff. Um, as a player on the court, quickly, just for, again, for those who don't know him, he came in, he has been, he's probably described as one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic person on the Celtics. Um, maybe not the best scorer, maybe not the best defender, but probably the one who stretches the court the most. Um, and he's really blown up, especially the year after he signed this big contract, right? Which is kind of cool. Um, he came into the league with no agent, right? And again, for people who don't know, um, like don't watch pro sports, you essentially have an agent, a lawyer, really, right? Um, who essentially does negotiations of your contract for you, right? And make sure that you're getting the money you, you get. What they get in return is a percentage of that contract, right? Um, so... He comes into the league with no agent, and he's talking with Woj. Uh, the podcast I listened to was an interview between um, Adrian Wojnarowski and 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 um, Jalen Brown, and he's talking with him, and he's talking about he's asked why he didn't have an agent, and uh, he essentially says, "Well, you come into the league, and agents want to give you like this bundle." of services right and he's like i don't i didn't need a bundle of services he's like i didn't need a financial advisor i didn't need somebody to do my fashion i didn't need somebody to for marketing i needed somebody to negotiate my contracts and all of these guys are coming in saying like essentially nah we're gonna give you these bundles um and we're gonna do all these services for you and he just was like if you can't just negotiate for me then like i'm not interested and brings up the point that like really his contract as a rookie is pretty fixed as it is um and so there's not like a ton of negotiation to do and so he holds off he eventually does get a agent when he's negotiating this other contract but even this one from what i understand he started conversations with danny with no agent um which is like crazy man not crazy in a bad way I, I think it's awesome i think it's great that he's a athlete who's chosen to educate himself on the process on the things he knows and and essentially um tried to run this for his best interest as opposed to i think there's a lot of people who kind of come out of pro sports maybe feeling like they could have made different decisions or worked with different people and, and put themselves in a little bit of a better position. So um, I think that that's like, what's really cool about that situation. But anyways, he signs this, this big contract and he's doing great things. Um, he's run a lot of his own, for example, um, like partnerships, sponsorships and stuff. He's doing something with MIT where he's building out a educational program um, for Boston youth and is going to have essentially uh, uh, juniors, high school juniors throughout Boston kind of come to MIT to do this kind of applicable learning uh, perspective. And, and it's really, really cool. That's um, great that he's able to work with like such powerful institutions in like Massachusetts and like his big thing is educating these kids. And so that's probably going to get some, some really cool like outreach programs in the city and whatnot. So I'm sure we'll definitely see some really good come of that. And this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, again, like my previous opinion before doing this research on him is like, oh, what I want out of my athletes is, you know, like a Rob Gronkowski, right? Like I want a guy who's just like, he's fun. He's fun. He's fun to like follow off the field. He's fun to watch on the field. He's a fun guy. He's great. And that's awesome. And don't get me wrong. The Rob Gronkowski's of the world are fantastic. But the Jalen Browns of the world actually have an opportunity to change America, which is like crazy. And like, what I think he really did for me was show like his point of view of his position and what he can do as an athlete goes so far beyond winning championships, goes so far beyond being at the top of the stats board, right? That is all stuff that he very much cares about. That is all stuff that he very much is focused on um, as an individual, particularly in the moment when he's playing. But from a bigger picture and his and his like off the court time, he's also being like people want to listen to me because I'm a Boston Celtic. People want to listen yeah. to me because I went to Cal Berkeley. People want to listen to me because I did these bomb speeches and these bomb articles with the Guardian, which I got because I'm a basketball player. And so now I'm going to use this to essentially promote my position to make change because I know that there are people out there in my community that are start but like their start line is. 10 feet behind everybody else's right and so they are starting at a disadvantage and i'm going to use this to push that line closer um which is really really cool um he's somebody who really recognizes that or maybe not recognizes because i don't want to downplay his talent but he it to me it really feels like he feels like it was a roll of the dice and he got lucky he got these skills and he and he was able to overcome these barriers and now he's in a really good place but he is he is wildly wildly concerned about other people in his community and how he can make the world a better place for them. So that's Jalen Brown off the court guys. Um, he's 
honestly amazing. He's probably my favorite athlete now at this point. Um, really, really, really cool guy. Questions, comments, concerns? He's yeah, dope. That's true. He, you know, I really, I really like it just because I feel like a lot of people, you know, for the people that are kind of like on the, the shut up and dribble um, wavelength, I just feel like for me – I honestly look at, obviously, like, this is way more important than product pushing, but I don't view that any different as a guy who wears a Gatorade hat after the thing, and it's like, you're using a platform to, like, talk about the things that you want, and so I think that that's, like, really cool for Jalen Brown to be able to use basketball as his conduit to be able to affect social change, and I just think that, like, the people that would have a problem with him speaking his mind and are fine with like the per- the guy that gives like the post game interview. And then is like, make sure you drink your hood yeah. milk. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're, you know what I mean? Like you're, he you're is cool with Papa is, John yep. showing up at the Super Bowl. Exactly. They're, not, they're yeah, using exactly. their platform as they see fit. And so I think that that is like super cool to do. Yo. So self-proclaimed <laughs> son, not going to lie. Um, also just remembered, we're still waiting for our boy Jalen Brown's interview on our podcast. Hasn't responded to, well, that's why I took so long to talk about it. That's why we just spent 20 minutes (laughs) talking about it. We know Jalen Brown for a fact listens to this podcast. So Jalen, remember your boy, Kennedy, 1627 on Instagram, hit me up. 1000% at any (laughs) underscore social. Fair. All right. So my son, Jason Tatum, who I proclaimed would be amazing when the Celtics drafted him, has backed me to this point. Born Jason Christopher Tatum, March 3rd, 1998. For a second, just for like the majority of our listeners, doesn't that make you feel a little old? He was born in 1998. Oh God, that's killer. When I read that, I was like... 96, I was like, ooh. He's younger than Uh, Carrie, sister of the podcast. Yeah. Um... So he's the son of Justin Tatum and Brandy Cole. Um, his father, Justin, played basketball at university or St. Louis University, excuse me, in Missouri, um, where he is from. I don't know if I just mentioned that, but he's a native of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, currently a gym teacher and basketball coach for a high school there, Christian Brothers College High School. Um, he had attended St. Louis University. Um, played there, like I had mentioned, and then played overseas in the Netherlands for a little bit before coming back stateside. Um, and his mother, Brandy, attended St. Louis University also for undergrad and law school um, and is currently a practicing attorney. Um, and that's kind of how her and uh, Tatum's father met. Um, kind of just a little bit more backstory. His godfather is Larry Hughes. Um, who's an ex-NBA player, not like superstar, but I thought that that was kind of cool. And he's also the cousin of Tyron Lue, um, ex-player. Oh, and now, he's Tyron He's Tyron Lue's cousin? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, current Clippers coach. So, um, wow. yeah. So kind of, I'll just kind of talk about Tatum a little bit, and then I'll kind of get more into the background with his family and whatnot, just because he's kind of a cool uh, family story. So... He attended, um, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it, but it's Charminade or Charminade, it's C-H-A-R-M-I-N-A-D-E, College Preparatory School, which is a high school in Missouri, Um, pretty big basketball uh, area there, and, um, you know, was very good, made varsity as a freshman, um, really kind of took off as a sophomore, where he was averaging north of 20 points, um, won state championship his senior year. Um, had some like big time games. I won't go off with the numbers, but he played like a lot of like other future players around him. Um, Malik Monk, Marco Foltz, who was in his draft class, which we'll get into. Um, Harry Giles, Wendell Carter Jr., who also both went to Duke. Um, and he's actually kind of a little fun fact. He's a great friend of Matthew uh, the Kachuk, Kachuk, excuse me, um, who is the son of Keith Kachuk, current. Uh, player for the Calgary Flames in the NHL. So I thought that that was kind of cool that that high school produced both like a a pretty dope professional basketball player and a pretty dope current hockey player. And they're still friends now. And so I thought that that was just kind of cool because, you know, you you just kind of view someone where you're like, oh, this guy plays hockey, this guy plays basketball. Like you would never have just like pegged them to be friends back in high school. So I thought that was just a little bit of a Random occurrence, um, Jason Tatum proceeded to attend Duke University over University of North Carolina, Kentucky, and 
his parents' alma mater, St. Louis University, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I mean, if Duke comes a knocking and you're playing basketball, you answer the door. Yeah. Like you, I mean, you but UNC answer. and Kentucky, those ain't no slouches. Uh, Kentucky's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky's nothing to sniff. Um, UNC's nothing to sniff. Yeah. And so he went for uh, one year before turning pro and was drafted third overall, second, third overall pick by the Boston Celtics in consecutive years. As Rich had said, Jalen Brown was third the previous year. And as we kind of touched on in the beginning with this trade, he was one of the picks from like one of the great fleecing trades of like the modern era where Danny kind of just like ripped off to get Kevin Garnett and then proceeded to use Kevin Garnett to rip off the Nets too. So really just kind of came full circle. Dealer Danny, baby, let's go. <laughs> besides that, Nick hates him. besides that, he has done absolute shit. Um, but we won't really <laughs> get into him. that. Um, yeah. So, um, just kind of on the court he's really excelled in his first three years um was very good as a rookie little bit of a sophomore slump but came back strong this year was named third team all nba and uh as kind of we just mentioned earlier as well just signed a five-year 195 million dollar max contract so he is sitting pretty now um yeah he is uh, it De- Deuce is his son's name. Deuce. Yep. So that's that's coming Deuce up. Is, Deuce is getting that yeah, new, De- that new truck. Those automated trucks that you used to Deuce, drive. When you dude, were kids. Deuce's kids are set. <laughs> like <laughs> Deuce's kids are good. Um, officially a member of the Jordan brand as well. That was uh, official back in June of 2019. Um, and as Rich just said, his son Deuce, born on December 6, 2017. Um, and so this will kind of lead me into the first little side piece about Jason Tatum that I had where there was actually not so much drama surrounding his son, but just in the way he was conceived and his relationships going on at the time. So delved into a little bit of sports gossip for, you know, maybe some of our uh, Bravo fans, exactly fans. This is what you come to new England social for. Let's go. And that's what we promised you. We were going to give you other than sports stuff and you're going to get it. So Jason Tatum dated this girl um, excuse me, who is his baby mama, Toraya Lachelle, um, in high school. And they were kind of like on and off. And then when Tatum went to Duke, they broke up and he started dating this girl, same Sammy Amos, who, um, kind of a smoke, but she is a Duke or was a Duke volleyball player. Um, and they were pretty public with their relationship, but, um, there was rumors that the couple was kind of like on the rocks and then Sammy confirmed that they were breaking up after accusing Tatum of being um, unfaithful in their relationships um, or in his relationship, excuse me. And it was later revealed that he was being unfaithful um, with his high school girlfriend who is the mother of Deuce. Um, So Deuce was kind of born out of, that little uh crossover wow. there and um can i just say that this episode has everything you're looking for yeah it's gonna we it's gonna make you laugh make you cry we talked about race we talked about some some really tough times with marcus smart we got your tmz gossip here i mean if you're not engaged at this point i don't know what we're we're, co- we're going full circle baby <laughs> so um and i just kind of thought it was interesting that um i'll touch on this more a little later but tatum and taraya are not like together by any means but they're um very cordial in the raising of their son and i just think that that's like a pretty cool thing for for both sides you know sometimes you see the nba players be dirtbags and then obviously on the other side of the coin you see sometimes these like women that maybe try and there's a little bit of like entrapment and or they're just trying to like do some money grabs um and so i thought that that was really cool um they're both beyond that as a as a child from a divorced family parents get along like best friends it makes all of the difference yeah hey if you're if you're divorced or you're not together but you have a child with somebody please try to be civil it makes it so she's she's like always bringing um the son deuce to like celtics home games and stuff and they still hang out regularly so i thought that that was kind of a a cool little side piece as well um so kind of just to get back to the drama a little bit so i just had noticed that there was a um like right after they had broken up it was deuce's first birthday so they had broken up when obviously um 
Taraya was like very much pregnant. Um, Sammy didn't like find out about this and then like Tatum and then like it was like the very initial stages. Um, so at Deuce's first B day and there weren't like dates on like the breakups and stuff. Obviously, it's like not like official timeline. So just bear with me here. But Deuce's first birthday, um, like I said, <laughs> um, excuse me, March 6th or December 6th. Um, Tatum throws up like a post being like, oh, happy birthday, my boy. So proud of him. Can't wait for you to discover all these things in the world. Same day without being prompted, she puts up an Instagram post being like, oh, you played me after I put up with all your crap. And I good luck finding a girl who puts up with you like I did with all your faults. Like yada yada yada, and wait, I'm, this is baby mama, or is this no 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 the college girlfriend? Like, and this is at the, his son's first birthday, so it's I I looked at this as kind of like, girl, that's a rough look. Like, first of all, major attention grab, and like even if you're in the right, why would you do that? Exactly, it you look and it's good. like completely unprompted, and also too, I kind of want to challenge her and be like, I mean, I'm sure like Tatum was like a like we were all kind of fucks our freshman year in college. So I'm oh, sure that God. he was like, not just like, you know what I mean? The the easiest to be around was probably like, nah, I'm hanging Listen, with the boys. The I'm playing with video games. Fresh, yeah. But we're like, the worst when we're fresh. The way she's college. like, I put up with you in all of your faults. Like girl, you were dating this kid who you knew was about to be like a top five NBA pick. And so like, don't, pre- don't pretend and be like, I stuck with you through thick and thin. Like you started dating his <laughs> freshman year at Duke, at Duke like a basketball player. So your, your relationship, well, we don't, I want to put it out there. We don't know what their relationship yeah, was. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, we don't know what it, was going on. This, just to put this it out lasted there. a maximum of less than six months. Like, yeah. So we're, we're just, we're not putting it out there. We don't know what it is. We're just, we're just saying what we're, what we're, it, it was an attention grab reading. for sure. Even what in the article reading. that I read, like this was not just like my opinion, but I, that is my opinion. The article even played it. And that's like, this totally looks like an attention grab. Um, so they kind of blasted her as well. Um, yeah. And so Tatum currently dates this R and B star Ella May, um, kind of unsure if they're still together, but that was his last recent, uh, romantic relationship. So we don't really know what's going on with him right now, but looks like he's killing it. Just signed a major deal. So go get it chief. Nice. Um, Hey, was it rich that made the prediction that Tatum wouldn't sign? Was that a couple of pot, like? I think he did, months? actually. I he did, was worried. I I'm glad I wrong. And, and at that time, I said, I hope to God I'm wrong. So I, I mean, I told Jason you it would have been silly for a kid to pass up $200 yeah, million. Tato, it's COVID. It's COVID. So we know, Jason, that you're at Jalen Brown's house right now because he's your boy. You guys have been shooting around. You're trying to keep your circle small. So you're also probably listening mm-hmm. to this podcast. Where they're playing golf. And I, wa- I don't. Oh, and you're playing golf. I don't. First of all, if you want to swing them, I'm totally down to still golf. Just to put it out there. But two, I don't want you to take my comments personally. I just was. It's like that. It's like when you when you're saying the thing that you you know you don't want to happen. You're just putting it out there because you're like you're like. Well, I'm just going to assume the worst. You know what I mean? And and it didn't happen. And I'm happy to have you here. So thank you. Nice. Jason Tatum. Nice. Um, um, great stuff. Yeah. Great so stuff, Nick. just I I just have a little bit more on uh like his home life kind of. So upbringing which i thought was kind of cool um so kind of what i was saying like very similar to how jason and taraya's relationships are um his parents brandy and justin their relationship was um very similar so the mom found out she was pregnant just a few months um out of college or like a prior to entering college and um decided to go forward with having the baby and whatnot and she had him and on, still went to college yep and had him and went to law school had him on spring break of her freshman year and was back in class the next week um she used to take him to all of her classes Jeez. through undergrad law school and business school so like wow. baby tatum was just like going all to these getting free classes like pretty sweet Kids probably Tatum's a lawyer. Kids, kids probably is what a business Tatum's lawyer, a lawyer, like easy. Um, and so I just thought, wow, that what that was an like, inspiring story! Yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. So you know that really That's kind awesome. of instilled the drive in Tatum from like an early age. Um, and so, like I said, for those who don't know, Tatum's mom is like known for being 
very right. prominent his, his in his life. His North Star. Yeah. Yeah, his North Star, the one who's always been like, this is what's important. You, like, you know, this is this is what you're focused on. Um, you know, family, you know, friends, you know, basketball, because that's what you want to do for your career. Um, stuff like that. So that's really cool to hear that she, she was a grinder herself. Yeah, and so she just – because um, the dad was a little bit older, and so he was planning to kind of go overseas like I had said to play basketball and she was like nope i'm just gonna do this as a single mom and they kind of were very cordial about the whole process but she was like i'm gonna raise them i want to proceed with the pregnancy so honestly like good for her but they they did go overseas a couple of times to to visit his dad um when he was playing over in the netherlands and so tatum would still see him regularly and talk to him on the phone and whatnot um and then so kind of a cool story that i had read that really stuck with tatum is i guess when he was in fifth grade, his mom had picked him up from school and um, they came home and they had a foreclosure notice on their door. And, you know, his mom had I think she was going through some rough times with unemployment because they had really fallen on some hard financial times there. And um, the mom was able to get like a loan last minute. Um, but from that point on, Tatum said that like really affected him and drove him because he wanted to be able to provide for his mom. And I thought that it was really cool that even before he was drafted during his freshman year at Duke, um, the mom was able to move out to somewhere else. Some, I mean, Duke probably paid for her apartment, but they actually kept their original family house and she allowed a single mother who she knew had just given birth to live there rent free um, for like a year as she got back on her feet. So it was really kind of like paying forward um, the process. And so I thought that that was just like really cool. You know, he come from you, you like to assume the best of these NBA players, but it seems like he really came from like a really hardworking family and his mom instilled some good values in him. And it looks like he's like doing a pretty good job with everything. He looks like, you know, he's not involved in any shady business and he does good by his son. So, you know, it was really cool to kind of kind of learn about him off the court. That's awesome. So in summary, Marcus Smart is a hustler. He's been through some shit, so cut him a break. Jalen Brown's the man. He should be the idol for all athletes, and he is out there to change racism and education. Education, easier said than done. So make sure you know what you're talking about if you're going to talk about it. And parenting matters. Look at Jalen or look at Jason Tatum. Yeah, for real. Just a little episode for you. A little episode. Anything to close out, boys? We're we're running we're running back in old format times, but I think it was important. We had a lot of good content here. Um, kind of just wanted to bring up uh, our little social media. We had I threw out a couple polls this past week. Um, favorite television shows like Mount Rushmore. We got a lot of like Law and Order, a lot of Office, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then I just thrown out quick question. I didn't. I think I saw Garby's response, but I don't know if I saw yours, Rich. Favorite way to take down Thanksgiving leftovers? Do you like the turkey sandwich with like the the cranberry sauce, the stuffing, maybe some potatoes, or are you just like making a plate of all the leftovers? Um, good, very good question. Um, previously in the past, I have been uh, I I bring home specifically enough leftovers to have a turkey and stuffing gravy dinner, just like a repeat almost. And one sandwich. Okay. This year, um, I forgot that I had put my bread in the freezer and not in my cabinet. Um, and so I didn't have bread when I came back. And so I ended up chopping up my um, turkey and uh, mixing that up with the uh, cornbread stuffing my sister uh, makes every year and putting it in some rice. And that, I think, is going to be a new tradition of mine. I put a little gravy on there, mix that shit up. Cooking up to open the crock pot. Interesting. You know? So yeah, that's my new thing. What about you? I'm a big turkey sandwich guy, personally. Yeah, I, I love you. the t dude. Like I live for the turkey sandwich afterwards. I throw personally. I throw potatoes on it as well. Ooh. Um, oh, a white bread, right? Like a nice white. Like I'm just. A, I'm a big wheat bread guy. But if Are you, you tell me, well, so I'm a big sourdough guy. If you're I'm a asking me, my. Yeah, so my my bread of choice is like a sourdough pumpernickel. Um, I love a good sourdough. Sourdough might be my favorite bread. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for bearing with us. Nick, where can they find us? So you can find us on Twitter at any social two, Instagram at any underscore social. My personal Instagram is at son underscore of underscore Ray 24. Garby, what are you laughing about? So for some reason, I I just went on Twitter today, like to read a post and it, it said, are you newing on social? I'm like, yeah. I don't know how, but, and then I logged in and I saw how many followers we have. So people, if you can like follow us, I know we're not putting out a whole lot of content on Twitter, but I kind of just like laughed about it. We need to talk about Twitter as a, as a group and Uh, we need to figure out what we're doing. I don't don't know. I don't know what our promotions are doing. I'm Ryan A. Garby. All right. And the A is for academic. Um, uh, I'm Richard Kennedy. You can find me at Kennedy1627. We're New England Social. Peace. Later, turkeys.